0: Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by PDF Expert by Riedel. Learn more at PDFexpert.com.
1: The difference between what a kindergarten first grade student is able to produce on the iPad as opposed to what a th- second, third, fourth, fifth grade student is able to produce. And the ease in the production of those things is just—I mean—it's incredible. It's night and day. Keynote is my jam. An hourly basis, we're going through. Here's, you know, some some different way to to use Keynote uh, for students to be creative. Whether that's um, designing album covers, editing photographs, uh, tutorials, making movies, all that stuff. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it is the, the the Swiss Army knife of my iPad. My students leave my class knowing that.
0: Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. On this very special episode of the podcast, we are joined by Mike Lang, who's recently featured by Apple on MLK Day in the Apple Newsroom. Last month, he initiated a three part project with his kindergarten and first grade students to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and instill a sense of civic duty in them. Every student has their own iPad. And his projects really take advantage of the iPad, enabling students to express themselves in ways it would be difficult to on, say, a Chromebook, which we talk about a bit in this interview. I'd encourage you to read the release by Apple if you haven't already, is linked to in this chapter marker, and is in the show notes of the podcast. In this interview, we dive into that project detailed in the write-up by Apple and a myriad of topics related to using the iPad for education, especially in this remote learning environment we find ourselves in in 2021. Before we jump into the interview, I want to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, PDF Expert by Riedel. Learn more at pdfexpert.com and download it today for free in the App Store. This is an incredible tool for teachers and students alike. I'll be sharing more about this incredible app later on in this episode. My thanks again to Riedel for their support of iPad Pros. With that, here's my interview with Mike. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Mike.
1: Well, thank you very much for, uh, for, for inviting me. This is uh, uh, a cool surprise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I heard about you through the Apple release about what you're doing. And uh, we'll get to that in a second. I, can you just first kind of introduce yourself and what you do?
1: Uh, I'm a technology instructor. I've been a technology instructor uh, for the last six or seven years. I started off as a traditional teacher. So uh, right now I work in Las Vegas. I Lord during elementary school with uh, 846 of the, the greatest students in the world. I've been doing this now. This is my, the conclusion of my 17th year. Lots of good times. Lots of learning. Really, really enjoy what I do. Especially with the opportunity to have students think about how to solve problems uh, in creative ways. I think that's the the most fun I've had during my job.
0: What was your original subject before you transitioned to being focused on technology?
1: So I started off uh, in Pascagoula, Mississippi at St. Peter the Apostle School, which is no longer there, um, uh, Hurricane Katrina had, uh, had a say in that, that school's existence, but I started off as a fourth grade teacher. And I started off as a fourth grade teacher because I remember my fourth grade year being a waste of my educational, uh, education, uh, my teacher, I think she was very well in t- intention, but she didn't teach us anything academically. And so when I decided I went to go into the profession, I was like, I want to start in fourth grade. Uh, and so I started there, a shotgun school, one hallway, one bathroom, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> The first year I had 12 students uh, and uh, old, outdated textbooks. It was a really, really interesting uh, deal with no technology whatsoever Yeah, outside of a wonky uh, PC we had at our house. It was a, it, looking back on it. It's, it was a disturbing way to teach, given that there's no way to have adequately prepared those students for the the knowledge work of the current uh, time uh, without the use of anything. Like you know, those kids in touch technology at all. Went from there and taught fourth grade at uh, another little Catholic school after Hurricane Katrina had destroyed our school. We had to kind of integrate with another school. It's from there that I went to Taiwan. The state of Indiana had a, a, a cool exchange program. With Taiwan and they sent four teachers over. I had a teacher's license in Indiana as well. Uh, so they sent four teachers to Taiwan and four Taiwanese teachers came to Indiana and taught in Indiana schools. It was there that I really started to figure out that I wanted to teach uh, Rachel Mama, as I call her now, my my Chinese mom, who was my co-teacher, really... Um, she helped me understand pedagogy in a way that uh, I, I don't think I was taught uh, here in the States. Uh, a little strange little invention called the iPod was invented while I was over in Taiwan. I happened upon a blog post with a gentleman who was like talking about how he was teaching his entire class off of his iPods. So I'm like, yes. this, this would be interesting. Like This is cool. And so he like he has screenshots and he's walking you through it and stuff. I'm like, Man, I wonder if I can do this for these Taiwanese kids. So started downloading music, you know, uh, clean hip hop stuff, classic rock and everything. And started to integrate those into the classroom to help those kids learn English. You know, really it paid you know, dividends because you had kids singing those songs during their recess time and as they passed you and stuff. And so they were getting the nuance of slang and, you know, and vernacular and whatnot. It was, it was really cool. Uh, and so that kind of spurred me when I left after that year, when I came to Vegas to say, okay, you know, this is, this work for you know, Chinese speaking Taiwanese kids got to work for English speaking kids too. And so, um, <laughs> moved to Vegas sight unseen, the, I, I rented an apartment, had never seen the apartment before, just got, got it got it done. Went to Kirk L. Adams Elementary School. And I, the first week of school there, there was a set of Dell laptops that no one was using. And so I, after school one day, just rolled laptops in my classroom and locked the door, and they became my laptops. <laughs> and uh, after that, it was, you know, how can I get the kids pod? We started podcasting and playing with Audacity and stuff like that. It was yeah. like in the wild. You know, the early days of, you know, EdTech. Right. So Audacity and um, Edublogs was my big, you know, every kid had their own little blog portfolio and stuff. And I started to look at Craigslist as a way to like very quickly source cheap tech. Right. Uh, As quickly as Apple was turning those iPods around, people were trying to get rid of them. So I was like, all right, cool. Give them to me. And so I had like this Frankenstein cart of iPods, which was also cool that kids could utilize for things. And it just got progressively worse from there. I got I moved to another school and they had a iPod cart. I started to think about how I could preload content on iPods for all the kids. They could put their headphones on and I I could essentially pull small groups all day. And that was Mm kind of cool. And then I ended up at a school that was the worst school in the state of Nevada the year before. And due to that, of course, they got a whole bunch of money to improve. And so they bought every kid a MacBook Pro. And so yeah. that's when it just like took off for me.
0: Quit the story, quite the journey. My sister was actually in the same Notre Dame program to kind of get student, or teachers into these kind of up-and-coming schools.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean great program uh really it was i think for me ace put me in a trajectory especially being african american male uh given that there are a lot of black males teaching right especially teaching in elementary school uh they put me on the trajectory to do that and see how valuable that was
0: yeah so today what's kind of your personal computer setup what do you end up using do you use ipad pros get stuff done are you on the mac or
1: ipad pro for all my drawings and my doodling my photo editing and stuff like that when i want to be mobile I've uh, got a 27 inch uh, iMac, the 5K that I roll with for everything else. My uh, my MacBook I'm giving to my my niece because she wants to become a, a vlogger and stuff. So yeah, I've given her the MacBook uh, the MacBook, and I'll probably you know invest another uh, MacBook Pro probably this summer. But if it didn't come across in the article, Apple makes being creative a lot easier than the PCs do, especially when you're talking about school age uh, children. And it's just uh, it's so uh, the, the the difference is so stark that uh, right now, my kindergartners, my first graders and my, my uh, special ed students are all still on their iPads. We were a one to one iPad school all the way through. Every kid had an iPad before the pandemic. And so the kindergartners are first and the special ed students kept their iPads and we just let them take take those home. The older students, we left their iPads at uh, the school, and they were given Chromebooks. The difference between what a kindergarten first grade student is able to produce on the iPad as opposed to what a th- second, third, fourth, fifth grade student is able to produce and the ease in the production of those things is just, I mean, it's incredible. It's night and day.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we'll get into a little bit later the, the whole difference between that. And there is a big difference in, you know, Chromebooks, which is basically a web browser
1: versus the iPad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to. A, a lawnmower that you <laughs> can type on essentially.
0: Yeah. So your iPad. What are some of your core favorite apps you use to get your job done on it?
1: Uh, Keynote over everything, man. Um, yeah. Like Keynote over everything. I mean, Keynote does anything I needed to do generally, and I think most of my students feel that same way. Uh, the camera, like, I mean, you can't do anything with the camera. Just is amazing in terms of non Apple stuff apps that aren't. Apple proprietor. I mean, all the Adobe stuff. So uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, big into uh, just editing things on the fly. Premiere Rush, those things are are huge. Synth for like uh, some of the the podcasting stuff my students do. Uh, the synth app is. Amazing! Uh, just for like you know, very quick micro podcast that kids need to produce quickly, and that thank God it you know it also works on uh, Chromebooks. But pretty much, I mean, again, the thing about the iPads that make them powerful is Apple gives you for free all the tools that you need to do what you need to do with. I mean, you know, I, not the huge, the biggest pages fan i do use pages on the publish you know epubs very quickly but yeah keynote is my jam an hourly basis we're going through here's you know some some different way to to use keynote uh for students to be creative whether that's um designing album covers editing photographs uh tutorials making movies all that stuff i mean it's just uh it's it is the 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 swiss army knife of my ipad my students leave my class knowing that
0: yeah it's incredibly powerful especially once you start to learn the animation stuff in there and you know the quick masking stuff like there's a lot in there one of the things you're talking about with creation on the ipad something that just delighted me when i discovered uh stop motion animation was these ipad apps that let you do that have you guys played at all with stop motion animation just seeing how you could turn a penny into this rolling kind of thing
1: yeah so i mean clip we do a lot of the jump cuts with clips i think that's hilarious and fun to do once the kids kind of get an idea about that it's good so a lot of so the, the complication with the pandemic yeah is that a lot of the things that i would do with them hands-on i can't do and i have to trust their grown-up to do that and so those kids who have hev- heavy grown-up involvement that generally are able to be successful those who don't if they have tech savvy grownups, and that's another like big distinction I think that's been undersold uh, during the pandemic is if the pandemic has, has exposed the fact that there was a large gulf between those who had technology and those who didn't, also those who had technology that was high quality technology and those who didn't. Also, those kids who had technology instructions and those who didn't—it also exposed this big gulf that, like, popped the idea that adults knew how to use their devices. And it's been really uh, eye-opening uh, to to have parents who have iPhones, who have tablets, who have you know devices, and they're like, "I don't know what that is."
0: And on the iPad, there is no remote control mechanism like you have on the Mac, so it's really something you need to be able to describe what you need to do step-by-step. Step.
1: Yeah, and you have the situation where I have an iPad Pro and those kids have the, the, the 329 iPad. Yeah, just the That's basics, too. yep. So we so you have a different interface, My have uh, so when we start talking about, oh yeah, hit your home button, and my kinders who've never been physically in school before are like, what are you talking about? So that was like the struggle the first month of mm. school was like, Let's go through the again, every class period. Here's the geography, the physical geography of your iPad. Yeah. Mr. Lang says this. This is what I mean. Mr. Lang says this is what I mean. So I think a lot of the conversations that we're having in the country around distance learning and some of the native negative connotations it's getting. It's because I don't think there's a lot of instructors, unfortunately, who who thought to nuance their instruction enough to say these kids don't know how to, like, the physical architecture of the device be going over first. Yeah.
0: Do you end up teaching the gestures from the iPad Pro? Because I think they still work on the other iPads. There's no bar there. You just have to, I think, like... It'll still function with the gestures; they're just less nice.
1: We we do gestures. We make sure the kids all are uh, really good with the accessibility features because I think those those accessibility features make make the iPad a lot easier to use whether you need them or not. Whether you need them or not, yeah. Really walking them through the accessibilities. Also, like really being pointed in uh, using screenshots when I'm live with them, encircling things with my Apple pencil and drawing arrow. Okay, cool. I know where you're going now. Uh, ensuring that the kids. Know that they can, the speech to text is there and that microphone on their, their keyboard will let them access things because, it's, you know, my lower, my younger, youngest learners and my special ed students have access to the iPads. And a lot of times those kids are the ones that have difficulties with spelling and, you know, being able to to identify letters and things, especially at the beginning of the school year. Mm,
0: yeah, how many of the students, if any, have physical keyboards? Is it entirely touch, or do they have a stylus and keyboard as well?
1: To my knowledge, no kid has a physical keyboard attached to their iPad. Okay, no. Kid. So everyone's just using their touch. Uh, there are some students. If I had one major gripe with Apple, it would be the the cost of the Apple Pencil. But we the cost is like it's it's cost prohibitive for for uh, for a public school. I know some private schools that do have. Apple pencils for all their students, but we looked at the Logitech. Even the Logitech was like fifty bucks. A, a, right, the a,
0: crayon, yeah,
1: yeah. And at the crayons. It's, once you use the Apple pencil, you don't go to anything else. It's just that much better, in my opinion, than anything else that's out um, on the market. And the kids really get angry when they see me drawn with my pencil. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, add, you bash know, your mom. for your right.
0: Purpose. Yeah, it's a third the cost of the device they're using. Yeah, yeah, so.
1: It is what it is though.
0: Yeah. When you're actually at the school itself, do you have like a classroom stylus to share or not really? It doesn't even make sense at that point.
1: We'll give them the the, the El Cheapo specials from the dollar store that are gotcha. uh, the uh, the rubber tip yeah. ones. And I, I have three crayons and I what I'll do is just for my I call them my pilot. So every there's one student who runs the entire class as I just like narrate and stop and whatever, and that pilot it's the lot, the, pen, the crayon, so they can actually, you know, go through the lesson like the other teacher. So,
0: gotcha. And typing on the, the glass—that's not an issue for kids. Uh, they kind of learn it from the, from day one, and they're fast. And
1: so, I'm married to a principal, and which makes for very inter- interesting and pedagogical conversations. Yeah. Uh, and she's huge into one of the reasons why she wasn't a big proponent of iPads is because they didn't have keyboards or physical keyboards. And I push back on that. Like every time someone gives me that as a reason for why they don't have iPads, especially when I see those people who took traditional typing class still hunting and pecking on the keyboard, those kids take it take to it quickly. The only reason that at the beginning there's a uh, uh, the issues with them typing is because they they, they can't identify all the letters.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: and so you know, kinder kids, you know, oftentimes you're talking about November, December then they can identify half the letters. But that's why I think the, the speech to text is such a powerful tool to allow kids, again, to write without being able to identify letters. If they can speak it, they can access higher level projects than just being um, handcuffed to the fact that they are you know, functionally illiterate. And the Chromebook won't let you do that in the, with the same amount of ease as... Uh, the iPad does. So it's a no-brainer for Kinders, in my opinion. Again, every time something comes up, she, my wife is, oh, they test. We have to test. And so with testing, they have to have the keyboards. And you're like, okay, well, what typing program are you using? I don't use a typing program. The kids, because we're doing actual projects that they want to do, the kids figure out what those letters are. Yeah, And these kids, are, especially your your older students, those kids are texting from the time they're six so the typing thing i don't really waste too much time on
0: yeah and i guess for tests if you need a physical keyboard there's a way to just have wire like cheap wired keyboards i guess the adapter yeah. to lightning would be the expensive part in that component i guess uh, yeah, yeah since i was a student uh, we didn't have dictation as a thing uh, has that changed the game with like i know spelling was a thing we all needed to learn i guess you still that these days but how has dictation changed the equation with all that
1: i mean you're you're dealing with somebody (laughs) i I am totally against spelling tests like that's just it's silly at this point in that the device is going to correct your spelling when it's necessary now you know if there's in turn the the cool thing about dictation first of all is you're expanding a kid's vocabulary by default right yeah this thing is going to you know, when, when you show the kid, the screen reader, it's allowing that kid to go in. First of all, this is perhaps if if it's text above their grade level, the reading level, they can still access it because it'll be read to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're also identifying words. And I don't know that word. Great. Write the word down. Oh, I really like how that you, you're, you're making, in my opinion, you're allowing kids to fall in love, in love with language.
0: And you can highlight words and have it define the word and speak it yeah. to you and all that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And- and of of like <laughs> like functionally, we, when you look at the neuroscience, right? We look at the beginning of a word, we look at the end of the word, and then our brain just fills in the letters, right? So in terms of like you know, home, I look at I, cool. I don't need I don't need to know how to spell that word in order to use that word, right? And it becomes a scenario to me where vocabulary instruction and acquisition is the important part. Spelling the words. Alfie Cone, the the Ed uh, writer, uh, is married to a uh, neurosurgeon, and he has a really cool story about his wife, in which she's she can literally do brain surgery, but she can't spell. And like that, it's a joke in And you're like, yeah, this because that's a really silly way to type. Determine whether somebody's intelligent or not right, right, so yeah, I mean the dictation thing it, it changes the game because it allows kids and remember the dictation not only works in English it works in other languages as well, so your 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 kids who are learning English who perhaps have to go and have that uh their iPad in Spanish, they're able to hear it in a native language and still do some of the activities that we're doing,
0: right, and i was just thinking with the multiple languages if a student is learning multiple languages their virtual keyboard will update. So you don't have to buy uh, five different keyboards or how many languages you're learning. Yep, 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 yeah. 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 So you start with students as young as five years old. Is that right? Yeah. What's your process for getting them up to speed with the iPad? you mentioned just orientation of the device and just kind of the accessibility features. Is
1: that
0: kind of yep. starting point?
1: So, just and uh, relevance, right? So, it's like any, I think the, the sh- what's happening in education finally is a lot of teachers are starting to treat students as users instead of students, right? Yeah. How do I make a user successful? That's my whole point. How do I make the user successful? I've got to have something that's relevant to the user that the user is going to want to do. And so uh, when you start, you start showing kids jump cuts and clips. If you start showing kids animations in keynotes, if you start showing kids... How you can utilize the camera to take black and white photos? Those things excite kids, and they're like, "Oh, this is really cool! I can I do that? Can I do? that? How do you do that? How you?" Do-? And suddenly, you have a um, you have students who are going to want to learn because they want to learn rather than this is the standard that we're dealing with today. And okay, and so that's when you have the opportunity to have kids explore because a lot of the things that you're the that previously I would have you know very very much uh, scaffolded and said, "Okay, this is, you go from here to here to here." those kids exploring they're going to find those things out themselves it's like uh if you're uh, are you a gamer at all i am Yep. okay so and this is what i get with kids all the time they instantaneously get this right like when we or we again i'm, I'm not gonna speak for you when i was young mm-hmm. you go buy the video game the physical video game for your nintendo right Yep. and you throw the throw the, the case one way and you would teach yourself how to play the game totally. like literally yeah right and so now with kids downloading digital games, they don't come with instruction manual. Like there's a tutorial a mission or whatever that kind of gives you the basics. But a lot of the higher end features you have to figure out yourself. Totally. And and so th- then the kids start saying, okay, I have a a very real metaphor to compare this with. Okay, this is what you're asking us to do. We're playing Call of Duty essentially now, dude. All right, okay, cool. Let me hunt and find. How do you do XYZ? And one kid finds it, and he tells another kid. Who tells it another kid? She tells another kid. And now you have this viral thing happening that cuts a lot of your workload you know, down because the kids have figured out how to do certain things.
0: Right, yeah. And to- talking about creation of the iPad, something I'm excited for in the future. I know the iPad Pro does this now. I'm not sure if the low-end ones can do this, but you can be capturing video from both the front facing camera and the rear camera on the iPad Pro. And once that gets down to the lower-end ones, that's going to be really cool for... Creation from a single device, having those two different angles capturing simultaneously.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, speaking of apps, I love Double Take uh, The from uh, Filmic. is really a cool app to use for that same, that's having that same functionality, right? That yeah. the ability to use both cameras at the same time and be able to, like, uh, right now, walk kids through my neighborhood and say, okay, cool. You know, you're going to be taking, the, what you're going to do is be walking through your neighborhood as well. And you're going to be, you know, hanging out. You know, make sure you have your mask on of course right but yeah i definitely agree that uh that's going to give kids a, a, an even um cooler tool to utilize in order to create stuff yeah
0: so how do you go about budgeting new apps do you focus on free apps and try to get a new site license for a paid app like once a year how do you go about expanding the kind of software you're able to access because a lot of apps are not free
1: so I I focus mainly on things that are free uh, just because if we have students who want to, who are 100% free and reduced lunch school, we're Title I school. If kids want to, like in, before, pre-pandemic, what my big thing was, transference to home. So I didn't want to have the parents to have to buy any apps yeah. to the iPad at school, right? Right. And so um, that's why, again, I I applaud Apple very much. And then the project, the I'm a Dreamer 2 project, no, none of those apps and none of those processes are cost anything. All the apps that we utilize are either Apple proprietary or like PBS Kids, Scratch Jr. is totally free as well. The cool thing again about the iPads, you can do some very high-level projects and a high level creation for free. And have do we do we have a couple of paid apps? Yeah. It's a pain because we have 800 some odd kids. And some some well, about, you know, even 99 cents, that's a thousand dollars, right? Right. Um. You know, five hundred dollars or whatever it is, they give you the ten ten licenses and ten free or whatever it is, and it's kind of a hassle to even do. And so, generally, what I'll do is I'll bake You know, uh, especially if it's a small uh, uh, independent coder or whatever, I'll just hey, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to run your 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 app through the paces and sh- perhaps show you some things that your app couldn't do or some some places where you can apply this app in a, a K twelve set, uh, setting. Yeah, a lot of times. They'll give you a I'll give you like twenty five licenses and I'll I'll give this to one class and we'll just do stuff with that one class. So, you know, again, money is a premium, unfortunately. Again, everybody has to make a buck. So I'm not saying give all your stuff for free to schools. It's just that, um, you know, I do think. Very, very much that Apple had the. You remember when the i the you know the whole uh, iLife suite and stuff wasn't as accessible and free as it is now. Yeah,
0: right? it used to be ten bucks an app on the Mac. It was like forty nine bucks, I think, for the the bundle.
1: Yeah, yeah. and so I mean. Thank God they moved to a model where I get the device. I got this, this in, these instantaneous uh, quick creation tools at my my beck and call. Uh, what I will say is that uh, we have all the Google apps on our devices and those you know help kids out. But like the Adobe, Adobe Spark being free at the premium uh, level for K-12 students is also a game changer in terms of Adobe does really, 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 really cool, beautiful things. And uh, giving those kids access the the adobe ecosystem for free and uh they uh, it's kind of like how google does their free stuff as long as you give them access to um uh to your uh at the administrator level everything's free those kids are making incredible things posters and worldly gig weird things and then be able to take those things and then integrate those things back into keynote or vice versa it's really cool as well to see.
0: Yeah, do you guys end up using Google Classroom or do you use Apple's tools for kind of classroom management and assignments and turning that stuff in?
1: Right now, we're using Clever as kind of the the, the entryway into our ecosystem. Uh, we used uh, Apple Classroom for a while when we were face to face. The yeah, you know, I think Apple Classroom is has is a as a app and a concept that has some. As potential, I don't think that it's where it could be, especially with little kids like the the K ones. It was just too much of a pain to go and manage everyone's Apple ID and push things through. Uh, our school district also blocks FaceTime, which also stinks, and so kind of like loses some of the the attractiveness there. Uh, Google Classroom, a lot of them are using. Uh, but Canvas is the um, it's this the state learning management system, and it's our district's learning management system that the preferred learning management system as well. So, kind of interesting thing with Canvas is that Apple also uses Canvas for a lot of their uh, their their current professional learning and stuff uh, when they're pushing it out. Just saw just signed up for a class uh, to learn how to use um, to look at uh, Swift uh, in high school, but. I think that's kind of interesting that Apple's also using Canvas, so it kind of gives me, uh, I don't know, makes me feel good that that Apple sees the value in that, that learning management system as well.
0: This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by PDF Expert by Riedel, the ultimate PDF editor for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. The PDF file format is one of the most ubiquitous file formats out there, and every time I need to do work with PDFs, I find myself returning again and again to PDF Expert. PDF Expert, if you haven't tried it out, is the essential PDF app for iPad. The app brings the power of desktop PDF editing to the iPad and lets you easily do any PDF task. I often find myself needing to edit text in an existing PDF or do annotations, proofing PDFs for others. The other big challenge I have on the iPad is compressing very large PDFs. I often find myself with these insanely large 100 megabyte plus PDF files that are hard to share with others and PDF Expert is the best tool I have found to compress those PDFs into something that retains the quality while making the file size nice and small and shareable. PDF Expert is also a champ at merging PDFs, so if you export all of your chapters of your book individually, the app makes it easy to merge those into a single file. The developers have also really thoughtfully integrated the Apple Pencil making annotations feel so natural on the iPad with PDF expert and an Apple pencil. I couldn't think of a better setup for working with PDFs than this. Many past guests who work both on the Mac and iPad go to the iPad for PDF work because of this amazing combination. As a teacher, PDF expert makes it easy to grade student assignments and provide feedback. You can write in the margins with the Apple pencil, highlight mistakes, add pop-up notes with comments and custom stamps. You can even record audio notes and add them right into the pdf files for example foreign language teachers can record the right pronunciation of a word and place it right in the pdf with remote learning this can be an invaluable tool recording entire lessons and embedding them right inside the pdf for students to listen to as they review the accompanying pdf you'll hear the importance later in this interview for students having these downloaded lessons on their ipad Many students have unpredictable internet access, and these lessons can be invaluable to create as a teacher to allow those students the ability to learn wherever they are. For live teaching sessions, you can share your screen over Zoom and annotate slides in PDF Expert while explaining the material. The possibilities really are endless with PDF Expert. Get started with PDF Expert today by downloading the app for free in the App Store. Learn more at PDFExpert.com. That's www.pdfexpert.com. By thanks to PDF Expert by Riedel for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at pdfexpert.com. So this project uh, you designed for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, how'd you go about designing it? I mean, what were your goals in doing so?
1: Uh, I think everything is... Uh... I think as a, 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 a curriculum designer, if you will, you always have to consider what the manifest functions of what you're designing are and what the latent functions are. And it didn't originate as a Martin Luther King thing. It was just like you know we always want to have students thinking um, empathically or empathetically with others. And so, especially you know when you're you're five and six and those kids you know are new to school, right? So yeah, um, in August, it kind of I had done a project with Apple in last uh, January, 2020, um, that focused on public service announcements and kind of looking at what kids could do to, you know, to change their communities. And that kind of got me thinking about other, other ways I could do some things. And when the the blessing was that when the older students were given, given the Chrome, I couldn't utilize them with the Apple, with Apple anymore because they didn't have the devices. And so dealing with the little kids, you have to be um, willing to go places with lessons that perhaps you didn't think, you know, they, they, they'd go, right? So yeah. the biggest thing to me, and I think I, I think uh, it's quoted in the article, is just like you can't start thinking about, the world unless you understand who you are yourself, right? So I thought, you know, centering that that self-discovery and encouraging self-discovery is the the first thing to deal with before we dealt with anything else. And so Christian Robinson's book, You, know, you Matter, that's telling kids, you know, whether they're in a great situation right now, not so great, if they've got brothers and sisters, if they don't, if they've got family and they don't, uh, that you're a person that's important, and you're a person that's important to, to, to myself and your, uh, the other teachers, because uh, I don't think that you're going to be very um, open to understanding how uh, special you are unless somebody tells you that. And I don't think kids hear that enough. And I didn't want to, to to start with the Martin Luther King deal, because I think a lot of times we perceive Martin Luther King as this bigger than life personality. And um, I don't think that care is taken to draw parallels between model the king and yourself and kind of comparing and contrasting and you know and if you don't look at yourself first then you're not going to be able to look at model the king as a as just a person right right yeah and i didn't want the kids to be in oh, oh my goodness he just made stuff and i couldn't do that yes you could you can do that model king was no different than you are you are the same right yeah or you have the potential the same thing and so that's kind of where i went and we have a lot of like we've we're looking right now it just The three part thing kind of simplifies it. This is kind of like this is going to be like a six month project. Right now, we're very, very much looking at photography and how people shoot uh, 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 photographs. What photograph kind of information photographs gives us? What can we photograph? We can photograph ourselves, our community, our grandma, whatever, and really looking at that, and then taking that idea and looking at like the work of uh, Dorothea Lange, of Gordon Parks, of Daywood Bay. And just looking at those and saying, OK, cool, these people took cameras and took pictures. Could you do this? Of course you could. You could edit a picture and be a photographer you want to. It's more, the the, the the deal is not just a Martin Luther King lesson. It's more about empowering students to understand that the world is a malleable place, that it doesn't have to be the way that you see it right now. And encouraging students to say that technology is a way that you can, you can not only impact how the the story that that's told about your community, you can help to shape that story as well.
0: Yeah. I think it was Steve Jobs that mentioned uh, at some point in some interview that when he realized that adults weren't these, you know, uh, geniuses or whatever, they were just these normal people that, you know, some changed the world just by being a little bit, Above average, they by trying, you know, uh, that it really changed how we viewed things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, when you're designing these projects, are you mind mapping? Are you just jotting things down on paper? What's your, you know, creation process with these projects?
1: All, all design thinking type stuff. It's all it's all it all goes back to your user, right? Again, I kind of looked I, I kind of evolved my practice to student as user, and always considering student as user. And saying, "Okay, cool. What do I need to use it to be able to do? And what does the user like?" And there is not a kid on planet Earth that doesn't like photography and video and making videos. Yeah, uh, I've got one of my students has a thousand TikTok followers, and he's in second grade. They're like, <laughs> okay, so um, the kids all want to know how to do that. How do you take that and make the video creation? process part of whatever they need to do. That's the the the, the I think the the sixty four thousand dollar question all the time. And so it's definitely a uh design thinking approach to it. And I, you know, um I'm a big fan of Lewis Sullivan's or my little idea or my take my riff on design thinking. Uh Louis Sullivan was the the mentor to Frank Lloyd Wright. So if you're an architecture fan, uh he kind of like birthed Frank Lloyd Wright in the game. He wrote a book called Kindergarten Chats, which is not a kindergarten text by any means. <laughs> um, famously he said, you know, ever form follows function, right? So he you know, I kind of mm-hmm. said, Okay, look, I wanna think in three layers. What's the function of the lesson, what's the form of the lesson, what's the aesthetic of the lesson. And so function, you know, what exactly are we trying to solve, form, what could the solution to what we're trying to solve look like, and then aesthetic, how can we make that solution better? That's generally how I try to, to loosely organize my thoughts as we, we start to build things. I say loosely because what I want is the kids to fill in the the middle. I don't want to have these, you know, again, uber structured, there's only one right answer type You know, units. I want there to be, and Kathy Hunt, if you don't follow Kathy Hunt on Twitter, she's an amazing educator in Australia, uh, amazing educator. She's an art instructor. She uh, famously said if we have a project and everybody's project looks the same, what was the point? And that's kind of the mentality I've, I've taken on in the last, especially last five or six years, where I want people like really going divergent with things. It needs to be open ended enough that every student's project looks totally different than some other kid's project looks.
0: Yeah, just give them the starting point for them to get their wheels turning. Yeah, yeah. So the first part of this project is to capture an edit images of themselves, family, neighborhood, to kind of craft their story about why they matter. And this is using the PBS Kids Scratch Junior app. What, what is this app like? What kind of capabilities does it have for them to, to do this?
1: So the the thing I like about Scratch, for the only kid in Scratch Junior, is that it's, um, I never, first of all, I never tell kids they're coding in quotation marks. right? right they're yeah. never, <laughs> I don't really care about, like I think coding is kind of a buzzword that's kind of catching on, but I think, all learning, all teaching, all life is storytelling, right? The human existence is storytelling. We study history because there's stories. We have yeah. the, the stories of the future. Everything is a story. If you, could, you can create a narrative that is compelling enough, then people will listen to you. And that's sometimes good and that's sometimes bad, right? And so the cool thing about PBS Kids uh, uh, Scratch Junior and the, the regular Scratch Junior app that's available on the um, iPad as well is that it's straight block coding. It is block coding in this very basic way that it's very approachable. It's color coded. It's uh, sequential. And the five or six year old student, is not in, they're not intimidated by it. And when they start to see how things work, you're like, oh my God, this is really cool. And when we start to play around as we will in a you know, couple of weeks with how can I take the photographs that I took and put them into this ecosystem and then essentially create a story about The photographs that I took. Could you do that with Keynote? Absolutely. Positively. Did I make it difficult for a reason? Absolutely. Positively. I think giving those kids exposed to block coding the idea and the idea that, again, in my opinion, all the coding languages and they're called languages for a reason is storytelling. They are referred to as languages. What do we do with language? We tell stories. We have conversations. We, you know, get people to, from point A to point B. And I think uh, trying to show them and to kind of go back to your kind of analogy there, the the, the Steve Jobs quote, the 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 magic. My job is to pull down, pull back the the curtain in Oz, right, and say, this is this dude is not pop. This dude is not. He's just a regular person. Yeah, and you're a regular person, and you can do exactly what this person does. Especially the uh, fact that our school is. Uh, majority latin and african American that these students do not see themselves uh represented in those professions uh publicly right these these they, those this, these, those kind of professionals do not live in their neighborhoods quick more quickly we can debunk the fact that this is something that is beyond your uh purview i think the the better we're going to have uh diverse talents come in and do amazing things in our country
0: yeah and yeah, it does take people just seeing themselves as, oh, I can do that. Um, yep, yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal for that realization to happen. The The output from Scratch Junior, does it output as video or what, what kind of output does the app provide?
1: <laughs> there is no output. So, <laughs> so what they're going to do is just record their screens. So they're going to yeah. play their program and record their screens, which is another reason why I wanted to use it. Because it shows them the record screen function and how that could be used,
0: yeah, the record screen function's amazing, like you can do like animations kind of uh in a kind of hacky, cool way of yep. just recording the screen and editing from that,
1: yep, 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 and that's something that their classroom teachers don't use, and I wanted to use the record screen function in this really purposeful way that would highlight it so the kids would say okay cool what other things could i record on my screen yeah so that i mean again i think that the 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 blessing for with having done this for so long is you start to see like okay cool how can i go and make this difficult so the kid learns something for later on
0: right and that's part of the fun thing of learning through these challenges is through these obstacles. You, you do learn some different approaches like, Oh, that those, I can do use this in the future. Uh, another tool for the toolbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next part of the project was research Dr. King's life and legacy and compare and contrast themselves to him by creating these double exposure portraits of themselves with Dr. King. So first off, uh, can you explain what a double exposure portrait is for those that aren't familiar with this kind of image?
1: Essentially, we're we're masking, we're blending two photographs together, and it can be done any number of ways. You can have, you know, those things overlapping with one another, intersecting with one another. One of the things last year, one of the fifth graders did, was he essentially Swiss-cheesed two two photographs <laughs> together. And it's like really weird way that I would have never thought to do a double exposure. We had kids last year who did like... Um, Almost like horror movie photographs where um, they took the idea of masking shapes and whatnot and had pictures poking out of different places. This is really, really cool stuff. Yeah. And so when I say double exposures, I'm kind of speaking how can we blend pictures and images together and giving kids kind of carte blanche to say, Okay, kid. Do your darndest to do some weird photograph that just that still gives me the essence of. In this case, Dr. King and I are the same, yet Dr. King and I are are separate and different. And I really wanted that to come across visually for the students to be able to do that. And what we're doing right now, what we're going to do with all of the work that they deal with, is kind of like a a, a virtual art installation with all the photographs they're, te- they're, they're taking and kind of their explanation of why they took them. Uh, and so that hopefully we're going to be able to get enough students who sign off the fact that we can present these things publicly so that people can virtually walk through this art gallery that is going to have, hopefully, all of their artwork. They're scratching your stuff, output, as well as some things from clips, uh, kind of a, an interviewing the artist type situation. So that uh, people can kind of get really get uh, intimate with those students and what their their thought processes were. But I think I thought the double exposure deal kind of really, really spoke to what I'm trying to get at with the students that we are different, yet we are the same.
0: Yeah. Did you recommend any apps for them to use for this or kind of? they kind of figure what works best for them.
1: So I mean, we're going to we're going to go by the old the oldies but goodies. We're going to take uh Keynote and yep. we're going to show them how to play around with Keynote and how to make those things happen and allow them to be creative in that space. I'll show them the basics for how to do it and let them iterate on it. So uh, again, that's why Keynote is the this that's the boss app in my opinion. <laughs> it's free and it has as many uses as you can think up for it.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And did you show kind of examples of what students have done in the past for these double exposures or did you just kind of describe it and let their creativity go from there?
1: We're not there yet, uh, but when we get there, there's some – I always do – I do the project with the students. So they'll mm-hmm. see, hey, this is Mr. Lang's interpretation of what the deal is, and uh, you'll have – you have. I, I, I will say that you'll have three groups of students. You have students that look at my work and say, "Okay, I'm going to copy exactly what you did because that's the right answer." Yeah, and you're like, "Okay, fine, copy exactly what, what what I did." You have kids who will say, "Okay, I'm inspired by that, but I'm gonna do mine this way," and then you will have students who go in a totally different bonkers way because they understand this the they understand the 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 point, and they'll say, "Okay, cool, let me show you what I can do," and so. I love those type of students because what ends up happening is why design thinking is such a great uh, philosophy to have. You'll have the students that just copied my work, see what the the real wild Jackson Pollock uh, students did. And they'll say, oh my goodness, I could do that? Yep, you could do that. Oh, I'm going to go change it. And then now you have this, this um, peer pressure, this positive peer pressure that allows students to go and say, oh, I was thinking too small. This other person thought really, really big. I could do that too.
0: And how's the peer pressure... Component? How does that stuff work virtually? Like, has that inter- is that dynamic changed of this the collaborative nature of learning? Uh,
1: yes and no. So I, th- I think the the um, the interesting thing we use Google Meet. Um, they do have the breakout room function in there finally after months. Um, so you can put kids in, excuse me, into rooms with one another. But you can also have a situation where you're just like, hey, who wants to show their artwork very quickly? I do. I do. And you have this like fight to <laughs> yeah. show. But I just drew. I want to show you what picture I took, whatever. And so you'll see you have this again and you'll the kid will present their screen and you'll see kids faces light up. Like, how did you do that? What's going on with that? Whatever. And hey, Penelope, can you walk us through? Like, how did you get that weird light in the top left hand corner? Oh, I went and I took this light lampshade and I just pointed it toward what I wanted. Oh, OK, cool. So what's the way you can get weird lights in there T- today at Apple um, uh, classes? I was always at the date in Apple classes when we uh, we were pre-pandemic some of the like the little weird techniques that they showed us at the apple stores i always kind of just walk kids through like you know um taking leaves from outside and put them in front of your camera and see what those things do adding shadows to it unnaturally you know laying on your back and taking pictures from like weird angles and stuff like and the kids will get into it and they'll do all kind of weird stuff and so i think as long as you give them permission to be themselves kids do all kind of strange weird stuff that's like totally out out of things that your adult brain would never contemplate
0: right yeah so the final part of the project asks the students how they can be of service to each other and their neighbors mm-hmm. what kind of format do you expect the students to share this in? are they going to make a little short podcast uh, talking about this or what kind of format do you expect that this to be in
1: really hammering with clips just because i think clips is um for micro podcasts. i think it's like the best thing on the ipad that's free
0: it, how great is it that it finally has an iPad version, so you're not using this big blown-up uh, iPhone version?
1: That that has been very, very nice, especially with the iPad Pro. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> very nice to be able to fill my screen up. Yeah, taking the clips and really forcing them to, to look at that that way. But also, um, we're going to take a lot of the pictures and and essentially build a um, a book in pages with their images and their ideas and stuff. And of just build it all together and hopefully uh, publish that so that my goal is to publish – all the kids work as well as my lesson plans and ideas into one volume and saying here, teacher friends, if you want to kind of use this as a starting point for any work that you want to deal with, here it is and really get the kids uh, authentic ideas about what, what, um, what they thought about it. But also um, I want to send that artwork and that travel installation to some of the local senior citizen homes and start to have those presents to the seniors, about uh, ideas that, you know, their ideas and how everything went, and you know, what they got. Because the, uh, I think that is a it's a market that I didn't tap in before the pre-pandemic because of the fact that the kids can physically go there. Yeah. But now no one can physically go there. I think, you know, really, really reaching out to those older elders in our community and having those elders kind of look at what these kids are, are perceiving about the community they live in, I think is going to be really powerful as well
0: the isolation right now i can imagine is just really bad in those kind of communities and that'll be great for them so the interactive keynote you build for these projects what kind of tools are you building into these keynotes like what what components of keynotes are you tapping into to make these workbooks?
1: So, I mean, my, the biggest thing for me is, um, because we're dealing with a lot of visual arts, it's just placeholders and the kids get used to, okay, this is a place. I'm, I can put a picture here. I can put a video here. I can put whatever there. So the placeholders are big uh, for me. Uh the other thing is just making it very visually attractive. Uh so um again, I love Adobe stuff. So I'll go and I'll build backgrounds in Adobe and you know, uh, you know, use fonts and things like that and build those things all built in that inside there. But not one of the things I make sure that I don't do is go overboard. Mm-hmm. Um I do want the kids to have a um a space to design their own space. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's really, um as uh, bare bones as i can get it and to tell you the truth i iterate on that almost every other day like hey let, i can make this keynote better by taking this away and or adding this little piece or doing this thing or like um re-recording that those audio instructions i put on page number three so when the kid you know, you know the uh one of the things we're finding with a lot of students is you know uh due to the nature of the world at this point you know a lot of uh of, of uh families who are food insecure and housing insecure are on the move all the time. And so they may not show up for class. So they need to have the ability to have that stuff on their iPad already downloaded and me walking them through what they need to do. And so I think, again, that's another reason why, again, Keynote is boss. I can just record my voice right on the thing, my my tutorial right inside there and then God bless you.
0: So I was just thinking about just storage in general, as you're talking, does... The program, with Apple, uh, the kind of Apple Classroom and stuff. Do they give iCloud storage to students, or how's that component all work?
1: So the kids all have a hundred gigs of of, of, uh, I, of iCloud storage. They also have unlimited Google Drive space because, because we're at Gabe District as well. Okay. So um, the kid like the what the problem was at the beginning again with the especially with the kinders was that usually when we're hands-on and right in one another's faces i can walk kids through hey we want to always save to the cloud save the cloud save the cloud you have one local copy that you're working on but everything you're not working on in the cloud not so much this year because of the fact that you know again i didn't i have not physically been in the same room with any of these students so far yeah um and so it was a lot of reliance on grown-ups and you know Google makes it a lot easier for you to access their uh, Google Drive uh, because the kids' primary email is their Gmail. Right. Having the kids have to go in. I mean, Apple. I do. I very much applaud them for the security and the safety. But it's a pain in the butt when you're dealing with five and six year olds. <laughs> and I, here's your 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 uh, your temporary email. Uh, your yep. temporary. password. Tell us in real quickly and remember. We have to put in trying to get the kids to use password managers like LastPass and stuff is also like a loss. It's, it's very difficult um, uh, over um, over the internet in that and their parents more than likely do not use LastPass. No. And so you have a situation in which you don't, you don't have a role model to help those kids out with that either. So yeah, that's a pain.
0: When you are teaching in person, what's kind of your classroom setup with an iPad you don't have? to have all these like IMAX stationary and you're kind of more flexible in kind of the configuration.
1: Because I have the, the coolest principle in in, the, in America. And I'm going to say that publicly, the coolest principle in America. My classroom is a classroom full of IMAX. Oh, so, that is awesome. So I <laughs> have IMAX uh, and every kid has their own iPads. We have this situation where uh, kids can hand off between devices uh, kids can go and take. I mean, iMovie on the iPad is pretty cool. iMovie on the on the Mac makes it a lot easier to to do higher end edits and other things to deal with. Having the computer also gives us access to the Adobe Spark apps. Are limited as in comparison to what the Adobe Spark apps can do on the actual on the actual computer. Yeah, and so um, giving kids the ability to do higher end edits on their uh, graphics and things like that a lot easier. Um, given that they have the two devices now. My kinders and my first graders don't touch the iMacs just because there are, those classes tend to be larger and I don't have the space. Um, but this, the uh, second through fifth grade students all have the, they bring their iPad and they have an a, a iMac station as well uh, where they can do uh, other work if they decide to.
0: With the iMacs, is it often the first experience they've had with the mouse for these yep.
1: students? Especially the, the Mac mouse, right? Yeah. So you don't have the, the two, the two prongs there. So it's uh, a change in that. Unfortunately, I think most students, if they have experience with a computer, it's a laptop and mm-hmm. it's a PC laptop. And so they're dealing with the trackpad. Um, when they sit at the computer, there is some discomfort and, you know, whatever, uh, the kinders toward the middle of the school year, I do put them on the max in order to learn how to put their fingers on the, the, the uh, mouse. Yeah. And utilize the mouse and how to click and all that kind of stuff like that. Just because, you know, when they become first and second graders, that's one less thing I have to teach them.
0: Right. Yeah. I was wondering what that experience is like of here's the mouse. Well, it's it's, it's, it's got to be wild for some kids. So you know. can
1: take uh for those who are looking for like a secret. What I do is take um pieces of Velcro and put the opposite sides of the Velcro on two, on the two different halves of the Mac mouse. And then they can they can determine by feel. Yeah. What they're supposed. And eventually we take them off and the kids, you know, that muscle memory that uh, that uh, their fingers remember what they're supposed to do after about six months.
0: Yeah. So for the, the keynote files you create, uh, are those all done from the iPad Pro or do you go to your iMac to do some of the more heavy stuff you're doing in keynote?
1: So that start on the Pro, uh, especially when, you know, uh, the wife wants to watch TV or something like that. I'm working and whatever. And then I'll come back and, you know. Again, the, the, the wonder of iCloud is, is amazing um, and just pull up and say, OK, I need something a little bit, you know, sturdier here. I need a little bit more power here. I want these to nest a little bit uh, uh, better. Um, the Using your computers a lot. I mean, again, a keynote on the iPad is baller, but keynote on your Mac is better. Yeah. Yep. yep you know, A lot of things you can do.
0: So for making that final pages you know, volume, as you said, of everything, is that going to just be a manual process of kind of going through all the kids' uh, projects and copying and pasting everything into the the final compilation?
1: So, yeah, I mean, fundamentally what I'm doing is the work, the kids can put whatever work they want in their keynote, whatever they want. I mean, I don't have to peruse that or whatever. I mean, I think one of the cool things about art is, Art is always in the eye of the beholder, um, and so I don't – I just ask that they have certain requirements, but I don't grade in quotation marks their art. What I am doing is essentially just a Google form where they'll drop the pieces that they like into the form, and then I'll have all those pieces. And I'll have, okay, these are the pieces the kids piece comfortable with me sharing, um, and I'll just take those and start to build the the yeah, the pages file.
0: Okay, awesome. Anything else about that project in particular before
1: we move on? um man no I just um i think the the project is uh first of all i i not that i wasn't honored that apple like i said hey this is the guy that's doing some cool stuff i mean there's a lot of teachers doing a lot of cool stuff out here especially around social justice around the sdgs that the uh, world health organization and you know in um, the un have rather uh, uh a lot of really cool stuff and you know it just happened to be that I was a guy that got picked this time, <laughs> but I, I do want a spot like there's a lot of teachers doing a lot of really cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. As far as making the pitch to your school administration about going with iPads over Chromebooks, was it much of a hard sell for them to to go this route? Um, Chromebooks, as we know, are, are cheaper.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that my principal saw the value. He had two iPad cards. Uh, before I was her digital learning coach and that digital coach was since like that they're there. Um, I did a lot of professional learning around tech integration before I became a member of the school. And she had iPads and I would come in and help the teachers that iPads do. I'm um, again, you know, not uh, the kids were making movies, kids were doing podcasts and kids were doing, kids that weren't in the traditional model of education wouldn't be people that you would expect to be podcasters and vodcasters. Those yeah. kids were producing content. Right. And she was like, you know, oh, my God, how are these kids doing? And I'm like, this is stuff they want to do. They will do it. Like, it's not a big deal. When I decided to, when essentially that job was, you know, stop being funded by our school district. I said, I'm looking for a place to be. I'll come here if one, you give me the Mac lab and two, we have the goal that in five years will be one to one. And she said, yeah, it sounds like a plan. And we did the one to one in three years. And so she took every dollar she could get and she invested in, in iPads. And she started to see the again, the ease in which kids were making, 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 making. And kind of uh, encouraging teachers to leave the here is your test, hit the you know ABCD type stuff and really look more toward the how do we how do we allow students to display what they know to the world? And when we made that shift. I think in comparison to the Chromebooks, and she's seeing that now, the Chromebooks don't have that same dynamic ability as easy. And even like, um, so working with some of the, the older students, we're doing a similar project with photography as I'm doing with the K1s. Just the Chromebook cameras are so bad. And there's just a front-facing camera. And so you're limited by what you can actually do with the device as well, right? It's not mobile. It's not portable. The There's no native that the native edits inside of the the uh, uh, Google Photos app and stuff is not it's not the same, right? And so it it provides a it does provide an opportunity for me to problem solve in unique ways to find other tools that I utilize to help the kids make the, the high-end edits that I want them to make. It does not make it as easy as the iPads are in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, the Chromebooks seem to be designed for like you live in Microsoft Office kind of all day. Uh, or yep. not you know google office whatever you want to call it um but your spreadsheets and word docs and that's what you do
1: and it reflects the a, a, a pedag- pedagogy that is a you know in 1970s you will sit you will type you will do the test you yeah. will write an essay you know and and kids don't want to do that stuff man
0: yeah as they get older are hardware keyboards more necessary or is that something you really don't until say later in later middle school or high school.
1: I mean, I, I think if you're looking, and so this is a, this is a, I, I turn this phrase often, especially when I talk about education. I think too often in education we moonwalk into the future, right? Mm-hmm. And we're we still we're we're trying to go forward by looking backwards, and it gets. If you think about the 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 leaps and bounds that technology has made in the last say just last three years, right? Yeah. How long do you think? It'll be before keyboards are obsolete. Like, when do you think that we'll have devices that, like, we're going to make keyboards so difficult for you to purchase that you're going to say, I don't need this. Like, my iPad Pro, I have no keyboard. It's just my Pro. It's there. I use my pencil. The fact that now I can doodle with my pencil in letters and it spells the letters out. I mean, come on, man. Like what, what? What am I messing with a keyboard for? Yeah, you know, most of these stuff that I do out on my my actual Mac outside of hotkeys is with my mouse. It's not typing very long things because I can still dictate that stuff as well. So. I think that there is a point where the forward-thinking school, the forward-thinking school district, the forward-thinking teacher is going to say, why waste time at all with the typing where we should be focusing more on what can you make and how can you display what you know to me? Yeah. And if you need to t- talk into your device. Right. Yeah.
0: So it's a one-to-one program. The Older kids just they didn't have the devices on them, so they're kind of stuck at school. Is that kind of the situation for yeah. the Chromebooks?
1: Yeah. So the no, the Chromebooks. I think the wisdom in what we did was we didn't want the the iPads damaged by like going back uh, and yeah. So the Chromebooks blowing up. hey, they have like an eighteen month shelf life anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Um, the iPads. We still had iPad. Twos on
0: our campus last year, okay, so, yeah, those uh, 20, I forget, 2012 no, 2011. I mean, yeah, 2011, yeah, yeah. So,
1: I mean, come on, man, yeah. like you know, <laughs> in terms of investment, the initial cost is more, but the actual cost is less.
0: Yeah, it's what uh, you said last year, it was the year you finally moved on to newer hardware, yeah, and so yeah, so it's my, like an eight year shelf life for that hardware that's incredible
1: you know so i mean if you take care of them if you make sure you have sturdy sturdy uh covers on them and stuff those devices will last forever they'll last forever. and then we took those twos and we sold them and we got money back for them
0: yeah and as we're seeing with the m1 max these like these mobile chips they're incredibly fast and yeah especially these newer ipads they'll be lasting a long long time yeah, yeah, yeah so a trend i've noticed. In technology, as we've talked about these Chromebooks is, you know, basically we're trying to just transactionally learn, you know, deliver textbook material through technology. How do you, how do we kind of encourage teachers to do more of what you're doing of investing in learning how you can use technology to be more creative and kind of do instruction in a more modern way that kind of progresses us forward more
1: uh, i think just being self-reflective first like again i think if you're self-reflective if you think if we challenge uh the power paradigm right where if we say again we are here to serve our user if the user isn't happy then what we're doing is not going it, to we can't be successful if the user not successful right and so when we do professional learning and stuff out here one of the things i always tell people is like you know you walk into a restaurant you get the worst service of all time do you tell your friends to go to a restaurant? Uh, of course not. Right? That's, right. that's a no. So if a kid has a, a negative experience in your class and uh, the only thing we're sitting there is being, you know, sitting down and being bored, um, that kid checks out. Right. You may not be able to leave that class you know, physically, but there's not going to be a lot of um, collaboration in that class with you uh, if you're not giving me what, what I want. And so I think, uh, Phil Schlechty, looking at Phil Schlechty's idea of engagement, is one of the things that not every teacher should look at. Like an engaged student is somebody who will do your work on their own time. That's when you know you have a kid. But if you have to prod and you know and and, and you know and, and coerce kids into doing certain things, I think perhaps that is a reflective moment, right? Like what? How can I still make this person or get this person to do what I want them to do in a a more attractive way and that's where, again, there's, if I can have, if kindergarten and first graders are, are making movies and taking photographs and explaining that thinking and stuff like that, uh, you know, I, I don't see the, the an excuse, you know what I'm saying? So I think that it's it's just looking at what is of value to these students. If that's a, um, it's kind of a survey. Is that just having conversations with students? Kids love Roblox. Kids love playing video games. They love anime and manga. And they love, love hanging out with their brothers and sisters and playing at the park. How do you integrate that? those those things into your lessons to make them very attractive. And I think if you, you add that secret sauce, then suddenly you're not teaching anymore. You're facilitating. And that's a different situation.
0: Yeah. And for teachers that aren't technology uh, proficient that well, uh, any tips or tricks for having them uh, be great teachers during this kind of virtual time we're in right now?
1: I don't think you need to know how to use the technology at all. At all. I think you just need to be real enough to understand that you don't need new technology because you're, field, you're probably speaking to a classroom full of people who could run circles around you with the technology anyway. Yeah. So how do you go and again say, my kids like this and that and this and that? And have those kids crowdsource their own solutions to problems so that you can take your time to learn them. So, again, we're reading. I've seen in front of the the, 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 uh, the Google Meet or the Skype or the, the, the Zoom or whatever and say, hey, we're going to read a story about, you know, Paul Bunyan. Great. We're going to write a uh, our own tall tale. How could we write the tall tale? Oh, we could shoot a movie of the tall tale. The kids are going to come up with the ideas. The kids are going to figure out how to do stuff. All you have to do is be there to kind of goad them along. And then yeah. that's less work for you. Totally. Yeah.
0: Well, anything else uh, we haven't covered that would like to before we wrap it up?
1: No, nah, man. This has been cool. This has been cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I've had a blast uh, learning about what you do and kind of education in general.
1: indeed. indeed cool
0: yeah any any places or links you'd like to promote before we wrap it up
1: uh i mean i'm one half of the intelligent hoodlums um intelligent we do professional learning and stuff here so all this stuff that i kind of talk about is all the things that we do uh professional professional learning for teachers in las vegas and now all over the world because we can hop on zoom and stuff and, and uh <laughs> and work with people and so we're really I'm, I'm really passionate about this but I'm also passionate about um, teachers let go of the reins right and letting the workers do the work and uh, I think that the, a lot of the stress especially at the beginning of my career that I put about upon myself was trying to control things rather than letting, letting um, um, the world the universe was created by chaos things smacking into one another so creation is not this pretty organized thing that we can just walk kids through sometimes atoms have to hit one another so um, the controlling controlling things can sometimes be detrimental to the creation process.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate uh, chatting
1: with you and learning about what you do. I uh, appreciate it, man. I appreciate the invite.
0: Well, that was my interview with Mike Lang. My thanks to Mike for his time recording this interview. My thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. My thanks again to PDF Expert by Real for sponsoring this episode of Viped Pros. Download it today for free in the App Store and learn more at pdfexpert.com. You can also support the podcast by reviewing it on Apple Podcasts and over on Patreon.com slash iPad Pros for as little as a dollar a month. Thank you to everyone that currently or has in the past supported the podcast over there on Patreon. With that, thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.